0: On today's episode we are going to explore the role that creativity plays in the field of medicine i'm bonku the host of design lab a podcast that explores the intersection of design and health today's guest is dr Vithya viswanathan she is a writer primary care pediatrician writer in philadelphia she founded doctors who create a community focused on medicine and creativity Vithia has published long form journalism and narrative nonfiction in outlets including The Atlantic, Vox, The Philadelphia Inquirer, and JAMA. She trained at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for pediatrics residency. She went to undergrad at Harvard College. There, she majored in social studies and studied Mandarin Chinese, and afterwards spent a year teaching English in Taiwan on a Fulbright scholarship. Currently, she is dabbling in fiction writing. Working on a novel about women in color and medical training. She lives in Philly with her husband and their twin toddlers and reads several children's books a day. My producer, Rob Puglisi, wants you to visit our website, designlabpod.com. There you can find show notes from each week, learn about our guests, and get links to related content from each episode. And while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter if you don't already, because each week he will send you the show notes and links for the podcast right in your email inbox whenever a new episode drops. I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Bruni Rivera. I hear she tunes in every week, listens to every podcast. Thank you, Bruni, for your support and for your enthusiasm about the show. Go to Apple Podcasts, Give us five stars, leave us a review. We currently have a five star rating. Thank you for everyone who supports us. Thank you for telling others about the podcast. This is the way that you support our show, keep our stoke going and help us to do this every week. Now here's my conversation with Vithya. Vithya, welcome to design lab. I've been following your work for years, and it's so good to have you on Design Lab.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk.
0: So we're both in Philadelphia. You are a pediatrician doing primary care, and you are also working on a novel I read. Like (laughs) Yes, that's true. Tell (laughs) us about that.
1: Yeah, so it's funny because most of my writing before now was nonfiction. So Mm -hmm. I kind of started my writing more in the like journalism space. I like to do a lot of long form journalism. And even as a pre-med, I was in my spare time kind of calling people to interview them about different things that I found interesting and doing a lot of journalism. And then in residency, I just started to feel like there's so much I wanted to say that couldn't fit in just like an article. It was almost like these overarching themes that I, it's not that I wanted to write a news article or a feature article about them, but I I wanted to find some medium to convey those, those feelings and those themes. And so I started writing fiction because I took a course in Philadelphia, actually. It's called the Blue Stoop Writers Group, and they have all these courses on different types of writing. But one of them was a fiction course that I took with Sarah Novich, who's a a novelist she actually just came out with a novel called True Biz that's that's a really great novel mm. and so i was taking that course and i was like wow this is the first time i feel like i can convey all of these like emotions and ah. experiences of residency so i didn't think i was going to write a novel and then i just felt like i kept returning to the character i kind of made made up for that class. And she was a Indian American physician in training. Uh-huh. So not not autobiographical, but <laughs> near and dear to my heart.
0: <laughs> but, but you are you are Indian American. Yes. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. I'm an Indian American female physician who was recently in training. But I I just felt like through the character I could tell a lot of stories from the hospital and from mm. medicine that weren't being told. And so now I kind of morphed that into a few characters who are all women of color and training in a children's hospital who are kind of going through similar experiences and working out what kind of doctor they want to be. Mm -hmm. And so the novel follows them separately, but then they they end up working together as part of a team caring for a patient with a diagnostic dilemma And they also end up being recruited for a diversity committee. And it's sort of like about how how do you navigate both medical complexity and also just institutional complexity with with regards to diversity, which I think is a big topic right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I have so many follow up questions. (laughs) So let's start off with um, there's this whole genre of physicians who write. And I'm curious to know why you think that is and also how do you carve out the time to write practicing as a physician and you're a relatively new mom with twins you yeah. had <laughs> twins during the pandemic like yeah. how do you make time for that
1: yeah it's very hard so i think one of the reasons i actually was drawn to a medical career as someone who who wasn't pre-med in undergrad was oh, I started you to read. No, I wasn't. I did a oh. post back. Yeah. Okay. So I I had studied social studies and Mandarin Chinese in undergrad. And my thesis in social studies was on nationalism in China and Taiwan. And then I had like comparing nationalism in China and Taiwan. And then I lived in Taiwan for a year teaching English afterwards and when I came back is when I started to be interested in medicine and actually did a post back. Mm. But one of like my reasons for being interested in medicine was reading medical writers or reading literature and nonfiction from people in medicine. And I think a lot of people have read Othul Gawande's Writings. That was kind of the first introduction I had because I think he's everywhere and he really explains things in a way that's easy for people to understand and is very story based. Mm -hmm. And once, but once I started to read his writing and then I was like actively searching out more writers, then I, you know, came across the Twitter community of creative people in medicine. And it just felt like everyone had their own unique story to tell. Yeah. And I love to write and I had so many things I wanted to write about. And I I started to feel like I feel like I will have stories to tell as well. And in medicine, if, you know, if they can balance being both a a good doctor and a good writer, like maybe I can too. So I think that really gave me hope that there was room for me as a creative person in medicine. I do think though, that there are a lot of people I met and that people will meet in training or in application processes who are like, why are you doing both medicine and writing? There's still a mentality of just pick a path or just pick one person. You have to be...
0: You have to specialize. (laughs) Exactly. You have to specialize. You have to do your
1: one thing. And I think because there's already so much literature out there from doctor writers, I knew that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And so that was helpful for me.
0: But I can't think of a book written by a female Indian American doctor, right?
1: Well, that's the thing that a lot of the more popular books are not. But now I think I think Twitter helps it. Like I have found more books that are written by women of color in medicine. But I've I've noticed that they're not the ones that are like the most popular on the bestseller list. Yeah. and then going further into like novels, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I realized was like I've read a lot of novels, but mostly they don't deal with medicine. And Mm. if you ask people to recommend a novel that touches on medical themes, a lot of people will still recommend House of God by Samuel Shem, but that is not current. And also, you know, kind of revolves a lot around culture of misogyny in medicine. And so while they're like, a lot of people say that novel has so many elements of truth, but I think telling the story of really like, people who are often marginalized in medicine Mm. is still, is something I'm more passionate about. And so there's always going to be a different perspective. And so, yeah, I don't see that perspective enough. And that's part of why I wanted to to write. And I, as far as time though, that's like a constant struggle. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm curious what you think about how to make time to do your creative work and, and practice medicine. For me, it's a very much a, an ebb and flow so i'll have long periods of time Uh where i'm not even writing a single sentence whether it's for my novel or something else but then it's almost like it the thoughts in my head about a particular topic or something i you know i want to get down on paper just Mm -hmm. build and then i have to carve out a time whether it's even if it's just like an hour yeah where i say i'm gonna write for this hour Mm. and people say, well, you're really busy. You have kids. I actually think having kids put the kind of like press the gas on my writing where I'm Mm. like, oh, I have so little time and I still want to do this. That means it's really important to me. And I'm going to be way more intentional about Mm. about writing. And I never thought that that would be the case, but it's very true. So if they go down for a nap and I said, I wanted to write that day, I am using that hour to write. Or I tell my husband, I'm going to go to this cafe for this hour or two hours in the morning while you watch them and then we'll switch off he's very supportive of my writing but i also have to think my writing is important enough for me to be able to do that and that i think is a big step while before it was just sort of like i'm randomly writing here and there and now i'm like oh, I have this goal and I really want to carve out the time to do it. I'm not one of those people who writes in between seeing patients on my <laughs> iPhone. And I always hear these stories.
0: I know, I'm like, how do they <laughs> do that?
1: Yeah, I don't get it. I, I was like, I could never put myself in the headspace to during a clinic day, write fiction or write, you know, even yeah. nonfiction. I need like that separate time and physical location matters. For yeah. me, it's like a coffee shop, not clinic. Nowhere that practices medicine uh-huh. is a place that I could, could write. <laughs> so.
0: I, I think what you said about being intentional is something I've had to train myself to do on like creative projects of mm-hmm. be very intentional about it. So for me, I carve out time in the early mornings and even on weekends, I try to get up early before my family mm-hmm. gets up and and carve out a couple hours to to work on something. And I have become a lot better at uh, this. And this sounds like bad, but like (laughs) avoiding meetings and not being able to be so accessible all the time because I was doing that. I would take a lot of meetings, take a lot of phone calls and zooms, but then I was exhausted and then I would not have time to work on projects Mm -hmm. that needed 1 2 hours a day to work on and because I can't yeah. work on it I can't just work on it for like 15 minutes I need to carve out a chunk of time yeah so I'm very protective of like my morning times when I get to work on some of these projects I try not to put meetings in those slots
1: yeah it's so true saying yes to everything then does kind of limit your own creative time and one thing I've been thinking about is how a lot of people assume writing just flows or, you know, whatever creative pursuit you have that it just happens. But actually, you know, you could spend an hour and, and write 2000 words or an hour and and write like a hundred words. Yeah. So it's not really like you can predict uh, for me, at least I can't predict. Oh no, yeah. Good, you never know. We gonna, never know when you yeah. have one of
0: those creative exactly. efficient times, it may yeah. be like it may be like 200 words, it may be like 2000, but you can't yeah. predict it. You just yeah. have to, but you have to create that platform for yourself to allow that. to yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I have a writer's group. So it's
0: oh, cool. so actually a
1: lot, a lot stems from that blue soup course, because I, I think I was very stubborn about, I need to preserve my writing identity. And so I was actually an intern. I was pregnant with twins and it was February, 2020, when I took that course, like
0: (laughs) pandemic.
1: And I, I took the course. My joke is like uh, Satya and like my twins are really the ones who inspired me to turn to fiction because I took the course thinking I'm about to have twins. I'm in residency. I'm never going to have time to take a course like this again and write fiction. So let me take this course. And I took it in the evenings during a more traditional, like outpatient month where my schedule was more traditional, like Mm -hmm. nine to five. And so I was able to make the classes and then the pandemic hit and they moved to Zoom. And after it ended, one of the people in the course, like one of my writer, now writer friends, she said, I have this writer's group. Do you want to join? We have a spot. And I had just, at that point, I had just given birth to Satya and Lika. So I was like, I'm really busy right now. (laughs) And then a year later, I reached back out to her. I said, do you still have that spot? And she did. And So now I'm in this writer's group of just people who some of them are, you know, more full time working Mm. on their fiction writing and others have other jobs and are working on writing on the side. They're all in Philly, but we often meet on Zoom once a month. And that has been a great community for me where I have a reason To like a scheduled reason to think about writing and think about other people's writing every month and then also get feedback on my own writing and just have people who validate the process of being really difficult and but also rewarding.
0: (laughs) Are they a little little surprised when they find out you're a practicing pediatrician?
1: Well, now they're used to (laughs) like all of my... Because every single one of my pieces is... Almost every single one is about medicine in some way. And they've like seen... Seen the different characters so they're not surprised but I do think they think it's so funny like a lot of them will be like I never thought about the the hospital this way or the clinic this way and it's just I think it's a different perspective but I love hearing you know with their characters sometimes when their characters are going yeah. through something medical mm-hmm. it's really interesting seeing other people write about things like mental illness from mm-hmm. a non, physician trained perspective. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really powerful to be able to have a writer's community. And I, I didn't have that before. And so that's been really great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now we first met years ago when you started an organization called doctors who create, Mm -hmm. I love the organization and you had a conference back in 2019. That was so cool. Can you tell us about the organization and why you had started it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I started it right before I started med school, actually. So that was in 2015, and I had started it because I felt like there wasn't enough check boxes you had to check off to get into med school, yeah. and they were very formulaic. You know, like research and shadowing, and and all these things, and even the research that you're encouraged to do would be like, whatever can get you to publication, not something you're actually very interested in, or like that you're passionate about. And then when I was in med school, same thing, like it felt like there's you're encouraged to do these things to get you into residency. And there's all this emphasis on following a specific path. Mm -hmm. But as I had said, you know, to you before, like, I was inspired by people who weren't on the Specific path, and I kept meeting people like you and and other physicians who are very creative. And I think the key thing that that inspired me to start it was I felt like I kept hearing from people like, "Oh, I do this creative pursuit, but you know, my colleagues don't really know about it, or it's not really something like the hospital like knows about." Yeah, <laughs> and I felt, yeah. well, uh, everyone's kind of having their experience in isolation. It would be nice to. To have a platform where people could share what they're doing and then maybe even create a community around this where people can find each other so so that's how i started it
0: it really struck a nerve i think with a lot of medical students and physicians because it resonated with it resonated with me i was like oh this is amazing and i was thinking why wasn't this started before and i think it was just (laughs) hunger for people to go hey I'm creative. I think there's a role for creativity. Yeah. In my work or in my life. And I want to talk about it. I want to share about it, and meet other people who have similar experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And especially because healthcare can really make it, healthcare in America at least can really make you feel like a cog in the system yeah. and in a system that's broken. So the first step in changing a system is even allowing yourself to think of your own identity as someone who can change a system or someone who can create change. And I think Mm. that's the basis of creativity is Mm. creation, right? So you have to think of yourself as someone who can do that. And I think one of the contributors to burnout in residency and in physicians in general, I feel is lack of agency, feeling like you can't create change. I would get emails from people who said, I'm feeling so stuck, but reading your website it's giving me a lot of hope that I can do whatever change it is I want to do, whether it's through writing or art, you know, and people feel like their creative identity is actually essential to their identity. And I think it was nice to be able to highlight that. So I had a section that was like profiles and creativity, where we would interview people like you who are doing something creative. And then I also just had a blog section where people will, would write about different topics And then so that that's how it started. And then I had in med school at Penn, I had this grant over my first summer, like between first and second year of med school to be able to work on it over the summer to build a team of people who could who could work on the website. And Mm -hmm. so that grant was really helpful because it helped me really focus time on it and then build a staff. And it was all volunteers, but like mm. people who are really passionate about contributing to the website. So then, passionate.
0: I yeah, met so many passionate. of the people. <laughs> you yeah, met I was like, them. How, yeah. like, how do you have time to do this? And they I just, know. <laughs> They're great, wonderful. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and I it felt good because it felt like people really cared about it. And it wasn't like, you know, I was like, if someone can't do something, I was like, please tell me if you're too busy. And, but, you know, and everyone's busy because med school, residency, attending, like every step of the way you have different demands on your time, but people found time to contribute. And when I shared the idea of the conference, which I really felt like I love doing all this stuff for doctors who create online, but we've never brought together people in person. So when I shared that idea, They were very much on board. And so we had this conference planning committee and we planned the conference for April 2019. And I think that was probably the most gratifying part of everything was to see, one, the level of interest people had for a a conference on creativity in medicine. And I I got like emails from people in California and Arizona when we like sold out, they were like, I need a ticket. I need to fly. I need to fly to Philadelphia for this conference. I was like, Do people come to Philadelphia? Like, I thought that we like being in Philadelphia, would somehow, you know, it's not New York. So I'm like, you'll filter out some people. But it's like everyone was like, I need to get to Philadelphia. It was like trying to get
0: Taylor Swift tickets. Exactly. Everyone wanted one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there was like incredible people. I met Ben Schwartz, who's a cartoonist for the New Yorker. And he's also a physician at Columbia. I'm like, what? You're a New Yorker staff cartoonist. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Silverman, who we had on the podcast and <laughs> she runs the She's Nocturnist. incredible. Yeah. I was like, there were so many cool people came from all over.
1: Yeah, I know. I think what was cool is I had spent at that point four years interviewing people and my staff had been interviewing people who are creative people in medicine. So, you know, a lot of the speakers that we emailed to invite Many of whom didn't live in Philadelphia, they had been on our website as part of a profile. So, you know, we had already connected with them. It wasn't yeah. like we were reaching out for the first time for the conference. And so it was great because they, many of them immediately were like, oh, yes, I'll come. I'm happy to be involved, to present, to be on this panel. And it just felt almost like an established community was getting together for the first time. Like it didn't feel like we had to do a lot of work to get speakers and so that yeah. was great because then i got to meet people who i just emailed with in the past or spoken on the phone with in person for the first time
0: and there were some amazing people there
1: i thought it was great that i got to see people in person who i had only spoken with on the phone yeah. or you know interviewed on the phone and then i kept seeing people who had met on twitter meeting each other in real life and then tweeting about it. And it (laughs) was just like a fun and very inspiring experience to be part of that conference. And it's like to feel like, oh, like the community I wanted to create is here and is really enjoying it. And it was very rewarding.
0: There was such a diversity in creativity. There was a I forget there's like a i think a woman who painted and I saw her yeah. paintings were like incredible i think she was a pen med student at that yeah time yeah and then... yeah
1: liz card yes, yeah yes. yeah yeah
0: and there was some neurosurgeon from new york who also i think painted yeah she
1: paints yeah yeah i was yeah, like what yeah. you're like <laughs> a
0: practicing nurse and her paintings were incredible I, yeah. I felt like such a loser i'm like <laughs> I Yo, who are all these people with so many talents but i know i think one observation I had was they were just like so excited to share this. And I think it mm-hmm. wasn't a platform before to share it, right? We can't go to our academic medical conferences yeah. I like, go, oh, yeah. here's my random research on, uh, I did a randomized control trial on this and here's this painting I did. Yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the problem. I think like, there's not enough value placed on art and creativity and I think that's changing, but still it's really hard for people who feel like that's where their skill set lies to, mm-hmm. to find their place. And the conference was great because I know that my interests always skewed towards writing and, you know, the written form as a form of creativity. And so yeah. I made a very intentional decision to create sub communities in our conference planning to make sure that, Hey, this person, you know, we had a, uh, pre-med actually, who's very interested in art. And I said, you're in charge of the art show because I know nothing about that, but I want it to be represented. And so that was great because I felt, you know, even all of us planning it got to use our creative expertise. And then it brought together people from very different stages of their training, very different types of creativity. We changed it from doctors who create to creativity in medicine, so that mm. we could recruit non physicians as well. Yeah, and I think it, that really helped too because then we got a even more of a diversity in perspective. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, do you feel that creativity is just as, It serves more as an outlet for physicians, or can creativity actually make you a better physician?
1: So that's it's such an interesting. Question because I think people, I almost feel like people are very divided on it. Like, some people are like, okay, well, you can work part time as a physician and then do your creative things on the side. And like, Uh those identities don't need to intersect. But I feel like it kind of depends on how you think about it. But like, for me, one of the reasons I'm, I feel like I practice medicine is my interest in stories. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what makes me a good doctor is a lot of what makes me a good writer. So I think that interest in stories, curiosity about people, and interest in listening to people is part of what makes me a good writer. And then in writing... I've noticed that when I write, I discover a lot of things that like, like I kind of discover my own thoughts. So for me, a lot of people say, so what are you writing about? And I actually don't discover what I'm writing about until I've already written the piece. Mm. So it's, and everyone's different. Some people like outline what they write and then they write it. But for me, it's always discovery. And I feel the same way when I walk into a patient's room. So in Mm. primary care, a lot of times you'll have a visit a sick visit where a patient is coming in for a specific problem. They've described that problem over the phone to one of the nurses on the triage line. And you see that little note and you walk in and then you, and you see this, I'm sure in the ER too, and then you discover something completely different. And that happens all the time. It's very humbling, but it is also what makes the career very interesting is that through listening and through remaining open to possibility, you become a better doctor. And it's the same thing with writing for me. And then, you know, in terms of the actual career, I now see that hospital systems, medical schools are more and more interested in humanities curricula and in kind of solving this issue of why are doctors often criticized for not being empathetic or yeah. not being good listeners. And so I think there is space for creative people to merge their passion with that need that's now being shown to have yeah. more training on listening or have have more interest or exposure to the humanities.
0: Mm. I
1: think that it's like a personal choice. And for me, like right now, I am separately writing and separately practicing medicine. Yeah. I think if the opportunity arose though, to, to involve my humanities interest in like my career, that would be great. And I think there's just like more hospitals and more med schools are starting to go in that direction. I know I yeah. interviewed Suzanne Coven, who's a writer who wrote oh, yeah. Letters to a Young Female Physician is her uh-huh. book, which is really great. And she's the writer in residence at MGH which is that was one of those positions that when I saw that that existed, I was like, "Oh, we are moving in this direction yeah. of encouraging creativity in medicine." But it's not MGH every hospital.
0: Mass, Mass General Hospital, one, yes. the, one of the kind of the best hospitals in, yes. in
1: the US. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I r- I'm rambling. No, by the way. I, <laughs> well, and I
0: love that, you know. At the core of medicine are these stories that we get mm-hmm. to hear every day that we see patients. Patients are telling a story of of their illness and yeah. of their healing and and how we can understand the stories and communicate them, I think is definitely something that involves creativity, right? A lot of these stories yeah. then become so sanitized in the EHR, the electronic health record. Yeah. and don't reveal the human who is experiencing that illness either acute or chronic. Yeah. And I yeah. I think because of the lack of creativity, maybe the lack of of a human-centered approach is why our experience as patients, like caregivers and physicians feels so dehumanized.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I like I want to work in a system where someone could have an idea, let's say to improve patient satisfaction, improve physician workflow and that idea would not take five years to implement
0: I know. Like, that's I know. that's
1: the goal and that's what is great about what you're doing with like healthcare design and design thinking and that's part of burnout, I think is the frustration with inability to change things. so
0: yeah oh that you know, that so totally resonated yeah. with me that that was the yeah. path of physiology of my burnout. Of yeah. <laughs> feeling I am a cog in a system with the inability to change the yeah. system because yeah. it leaves you without hope,
1: yeah, yeah. and I think with patients too, it's been you know in pediatrics, it's been really great to connect with patients on something other than the medical side of things. yeah and you know, being human, like we're we're always seeking sources of connection. But I think particularly with pediatric patients, you know, talking with them about what their interests are. So I always ask them, like, what, you know, what's your favorite subject in school? What TV show are you watching? Because it's nice for them to be seen as someone other than a patient. Um, And also to see me as someone who has interests and is interested in their lives and, is you know it's is someone who's willing to talk to them about something other than just medicine and even just one minute spent yeah. not in my you know doctor mode charting mode just one minute spent off the cuff talking can yeah. go a long way with the patient relationship and the other thing is like a lot of what i learn actually about that that's helpful in med- in my interactions with patients can be from books or movies you know mm. like they're the whole point of a lot of literature and a lot of television or movies is to show a perspective that you may not have otherwise known. Mm. And so a lot of what I've learned about like different perspectives can come from that and can help inform how I treat patients.
0: Yeah. I love all that. And I could talk to you forever, but I think you (laughs) have some work to do, (laughs) but I want to and can I ask you a couple more questions? Yeah, yeah, okay? of course. I'm curious to know from your perspective as a physician, as a as a writer, do you have some thoughts on how we can design a healthier life, either personally or mm-hmm. systemically?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great question. I'm working on answering that for myself more. I think that, so personally, I have worked a lot on just as we've sort of talked about being intentional about what I'm doing. So trying to kind of prioritize in my mind what's more important to me and and actively spend time on that. So for me, spending time with my kids, especially as a full-time working mom is very important. And so like, carving out time where when I'm with them, I'm very present. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm not with them, you know, working on things like my writing, trying to incorporate exercise every day for me is really important. And i yeah. spending time with my husband and my friends. I think in terms of design. I've been really struck by how much happens outside the hospital and outside the clinic Mm. in terms of impacting my health and my patient's health. So like for me, I, I love biking to work. I do drive sometimes in the winter months or when it's raining, but otherwise like my preference is to bike to work. And there is an interesting backstory there where I actually didn't know how to ride a bike until I went to Taiwan as like 21 year old. Uh-huh. And I had to learn there because I I was living in the more like not in Taipei, but in Elon, which is a city within a more rural area. And if I didn't bike and I didn't scooter, then some of the days I would have had to walk a pretty long distance. So I ended up learning how to bike right there. And then ever since then, I've been a bike commuter. That's my preferred mode of getting places Ah,
0: that's so cool
1: which is amazing like that's that was like one of the takeaways i had from my time there but when i bike here it makes such a difference when there's a protected bike lane it makes such a difference when other people on the road are aware of bikers yeah and my husband actually works in public transportation consulting so Mm. we like talk about a lot about biking and the bus system and because of him i think i'd also take the bus more like a lot of times where i think my friends are ubering or taking a lift i notice hey there's a bus that takes you directly where you want to go but you have to have that awareness of how to look up the buses and like know when they're coming
0: so I, long, I, I am yeah. impressed because Philadelphia is not known for great bike lanes or yeah. great mass transit system. <laughs> exactly. And I'm being is... <laughs> a little bit tongue in cheek there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is why I'm like, it would make such a difference if those systems could be even more invested in, or, you know, Hospitals are trying to do more like bike and like public transit commuting incentives. But if you don't have a good bike parking or a protected bike lane leading up to the hospital, then you can't really encourage those things. So I think that's, that's a big one for me is for patients and for myself, like incorporating exercise and health habits in your daily life. Yeah. But I also think for patients, there's just so much, so much kind of stacked against a lot of our patients in terms of access to healthy food mm-hmm. and access to things like exercise and even just medical knowledge. It's so tough, especially in a pandemic when hospital systems and clinics are overwhelmed for patients to even get appointments. Mm-hmm. Some of the specialist referrals I make, the appointment will be like at minimum like six months later. Yeah. So as a primary care Pediatrician, how am I going to help that patient right now? So, yeah, there's there's just so much to work on. I think that is not in a patient's control, and that's where, like, I think we need a lot of change in our systems. Yeah. yeah.
0: If one of our listeners were to visit you in Philadelphia, <laughs> where would you take them to eat?
1: Good, <laughs> good question. So i love walking places too Uh in addition to biking so that we do have a place that's it's an italian restaurant that's just about four or five blocks from my house it's called lanima l apostrophe a-n-i-m-a
0: oh i haven't been there
1: it's well this is why i like it so a lot of people don't seem to know about it so it's easy to get a reservation there and they have great outdoor dining spot. They have like really pretty lights. They have the heaters when it's cold out. And I just have a really just special bond with it. Cause that's where my husband and I went when I had had the 20 week ultrasound for my twins. And as a pediatrician having twins, I was in a ball of anxiety. So after that ultrasound went well, and we went there, I think I've just like always connected the restaurant with just like Positive feelings. Yeah,
0: positive (laughs) vibes. Positive vibes. And
1: then their food is great. And they're very kid friendly. There's always parents dining there with their kids, but it's like a fancy Italian restaurant. So it's just like a great spot. And I would love to take anyone visiting me there because it's just really good food and like always makes me just feel happy and it's byo like many places in philadelphia so you can bring your own wine well i I love
0: it if you're hungry i'm gonna put a link into the show notes so you can you can check it out there (laughs) yeah and i also want to make a plug for you have a newsletter so you can get little snippets of your writing that you send to people Mm -hmm. sign up so we'll put the link for your newsletter or your Substack rather yeah as well
1: Yeah, thank you. And if anyone wants to connect with me about writing in medicine, if they sign up for the newsletter, they could always like email me through that. I'm happy to help anyone who has questions or wants to bond over the pursuit of being a doctor writer.
0: I'm going to contact you for help
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was so good to see you so good to yeah. connect after so many years this is yeah. great thanks for coming yeah. on the show
1: thank you for having me this was a really great conversation
0: I'm such a fan of Vithia. you can follow her on twitter at v-i-d-y-a-v-i-s and reach out to me on twitter at b-o-n-k-u on instagram at d-r-b-o-n-k-u Design Lab is produced by Rob Puglisi, editing by Fernando Carey Rose. The music was created by Emmanuel Houston, and the cover design by Eden Liu. See you next week.